Section One of Ovid's Heroides. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julie Formalian. Section One of Ovid's Heroides, translated by an unknown translator, first published in eighteen thirteen. Penelope to Ulysses. Dear Ulysses, your Penelope sends this epistle to you, so slow in your return home. Write not any answer, but come yourself. Troy is no more, that city so justly odious to the Grecian dames. Scarcely were Prime and all his kingdom worth such a mighty stir. Oh, how I wish! that the infamous adulterer, when he sailed for Lacedaemon with his fleet, had been swallowed up by the raging seas. I had not then lain cold in a solitary bed, nor thus forlorn complaint of the tedious days. The pendulous web would not then have tied my tender hands, while by such means I sought to elude the lingering nights how often has my apprehension magnified your dangers love is a passion full of anxiety and fear i often fancied you to myself assaulted by furious trojans and on hearing the name of hector always turned pale if any one informed me that antilochus had been slain by that hero the fate of antilochus proved the cause of fresh disquiet to me or if informed that Patroclus had fallen in counterfeit armour, I lamented that this stratagem should fail of success. Clepolemus had stained the Lycian spear with his blood. My anxiety was renewed by the catastrophe of Clepolemus. In fine, as often as any fell in the Grecian camp, my fond heart was chilled with icy fear. But the righteous gods had regard to my chaste flame. My husband lives, and Troy is reduced to ashes. The Grecian chiefs have returned. Our altars smoke, and the spoils of the barbarians are offered up to our gods. The matrons present grateful gifts for the safe return of their husbands. They, in their turn, sing the fate of Troy, constrained to yield to their better fortune. The good old men and timorous maids are stricken with admiration, and the eager wife hangs upon her husband's tongue as he relates. Some, ordering a table to be brought, describe upon it the fierce battles in which they were engaged, and with a little wine trace out the whole of Troy. This way, they say, float Simeus. Here is a Sigaean field. Here stood the lofty palace of old Prime. There was a tent of Achilles, yonder that of Ulysses. Here mangled Hector frightened the foaming horses. For old Nestor related all to your son, whom I sent to inquire after you, and he again to me. He told me likewise that Rhesus and Dolan had been slain, how the one was surprised in his sleep, the other betrayed by guile. You also, my dear husband. Alas! too too forgetful of your family at home adventure to enter the trajan camp by stratagem in the night 
and assisted by Diomedes alone, to kill so great a number of men. No doubt you were wonderfully cautious, and did not forget your Penelope before the dangerous attempt. My heart never ceased beating till I heard how you rode victorious through the army of your friends upon Thracian horses. But what does it avail me that Troy has fallen by your hands, and that the spot where formerly its wall stood is now a level plain, if I still continue forlorn as when Troy flourished, and my husband is absent never to return? Troy remains to me alone. To others it is destroyed, and the victorious inhabitant tills it with a captive ox. Now corn grows where once Troy stood, and the ground, fattened by Phrygian blood, produces a rich crop that tempts the hand of the reaper. The half-buried bones of heroes are ploughed up by the crooked chair, and rising grass covers the ruins of the houses. Though victorious, you are still absent, nor can I possibly know the cause of your long stay, or in what corner of the world my cruel Ulysses lurks. Whatever stranger touches upon these coasts is sure to be teased with a thousand questions about you, and when he departs is charged with a letter to deliver to you in whatever region of the world he may chance to see you. We sent to Pylos, the Nelian kingdom of old Nestor, but we then received no account besides uncertain report. We sent likewise to Sparta, but Sparta, being equally ignorant of the truth, left us uncertain that lands you might be wandering over, or where you could make so long a stay. It would be better for me if the walls of Troy were still standing. Alas, unstable and unhappy, I am offended at my own wishes. I should know in what part of the world you fought, and dread only the dangers of war nor should I be without companions to join in my complaint. Now I know not what to fear most. I am apt to fancy you exposed to every kind of hazard, and find myself bewildered in a wide field of care. Whatever dangers arise either from sea or land, these I suspect may be the causes of so long a delay. While I thus fondly revolve these things within myself, you, it is possible, are the slave of some foreign beauty, such as the inconstancy of man. Perhaps, too, you divert her by telling what a homely wife you have, who minds only the spindle and the distaff. But I may be deceived, and this imaginary crime may vanish into mere air and conceit. Nor can I persuade myself that, if free to return, you would be absent from me. My father, Icarius, urges me to leave this widowed state, and never ceases chiding me for my continued delays. Let him chide on. I am yours, and must be called yours. Penelope will ever remain the wife of Ulysses. He at length is softened by my piety and chaste prayers, and forbears to use his authority. A dissipated set of woes from Dalicium, Samus, and lofty Secantus tease me without intermission. They reign uncontrolled in your palace, and devour your wealth, our very life and support. 
Why should I mention Pisander, Polybus, Aglamedon, and covetous Eurymachus and Antinous, beside many others who all in your absence live upon the means gained at the hazard of your life? Indigent Iris and your goatherd Melantius serve to finish your disgrace. We are only three in number, unable to defend ourselves. Your wife, weak and helpless, Laertes, an old man, and Telemachus, a child. That beloved boy we were lately in danger of losing, as against all our wills he prepared to go in quest of you to Pylos. May the gods grant that by the order of fate he may be appointed to close my eyes, to close also yours. The neatherd, swineherd, and aged nurse all join in this prayer. Laertes, now unfit for arms, is unable to maintain your right against such a crowd of enemies. Telemachus, it is true, have spared, will arrive at a more vigorous age, but at present he requires his father's protection. Nor can it be supposed that I am able to drive away this hostile crowd. Come, therefore, speedily, you who are our only defence and sanctuary. You have whom heaven preserve a son whose tender years should have been formed to his father's virtue and prudence. Think of Laertes, and that it is your duty to close his eyes. He now languishes on the verge of dissolution. Surely I, who, when you left me, was but a girl, when you return must appear old and decayed. End of Penelope to Ulysses